Welcome. We are so glad you have joined us today. Are you ready for another Bayside Christian Church podcast? Let's get straight into it. I just want to share for a few minutes on the Word of God. This morning I started a message on uh, um, seasons in our life and I want to just pick that up and uh, basically finish off the last point that we didn't get time to this morning, but I'll do a quick summary. We all have seasons in our life. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says there's time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. And seasons come in the natural and seasons come in the spiritual and in relationships. And I love the word of God because it says you can bear fruit no matter what the season. Psalm 1.3 says, He will be standing firm like a flourishing tree planted by God's design, deeply rooted by the brooks of bliss, bearing fruit in every season of his life. That's good news, hey? Bearing fruit. And we've had a dry time, but my mango trees are loaded. And I think, well, they've hardly had any rain for months. But their roots go down deep and they, they've been building up resource for months. And I'm praying we have an awesome mango crop because I love mangoes. And I thought, well, even when the season doesn't look suitable, sometimes if you've been building a reserve in the natural or in the spiritual, you can keep on going when there's drought time. And God says you can keep on sowing and loving because we, we, we know his blessing. Over it says he was never dry, never fainting, ever blessed and ever prosperous. And 1 Corinthians 3 says one sows, another waters, but God gives the increase. And I learned out of that that sometimes we want to try and make the increase and you get worn out and it's hard work. But if we sow... And we plant by our love and our prayer, then God brings the increase. Change lives, freedom, all of those things in our hearts and our lives. So this morning, we talked about learn to recognize the season. God will help you to see and understand what season you're in. Sowing, planting, waiting, transition, building, harvest, increase, stretching seasons. None of us like them, but they happen. War and peace, testing, suffering, favor, healing, restoration, consolidation, Training and equipping, so many seasons in our lives. The waiting one's one of the hardest, but God's there to help us. And he wants to encourage us. So number one, God will help us recognize the season. Number two is understand how to respond to the season. When things are going tough, what do we often do? Blame God, blame the devil, or blame someone else. And sometimes God's just wanting us to grow. A bit of resistance to our souls helps you grow. If you want to get some muscle, you've got to do some resistance training. You've got to lift some weights or push or, or dance or do aerobics or do something where you've got to stretch your muscles and that's when they heal, that's when you get bigger muscles. So if you don't have some resistance, you never get physically stronger. And when it comes to emotionally and spiritually, we don't like that because it hurts a bit. It's uncomfortable. It's discipline. But that's how you get stronger in our emotions and our spirit. So God, when you say, Lord... Help me to grow, you've just asked for pain. Because God's going to allow some pressure to happen for you to grow. And we don't want that, but that's the reality. Because he knows how we're designed. And so when a bit of pressure comes in relationships, in uh, uh, things that go on in our life, hey, God might be getting you to grow. He might be stretching you and the stretch of faith. So number one, recognize the season, understand how to respond. And the Holy Spirit will lead you through each season. Thirdly, you've got to trust God that he's working good in your life during each season. Romans 8, 28. And we know with great confidence that God who is deeply 
concerned about us causes all things to work together as a plan for good for those who love God to those who are called according to his plan and purpose. The passion says, so we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives for we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his design purpose. Isn't that beautiful? Wow, that's what God does. And Jesus, when he came, he quoted Isaiah 61. And he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to heal the brokenhearted, set the captives free, to bring uh, sight to the blind. And then he said, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. The Passion Version says, I am sent to announce a new season of God's grace. Isn't that beautiful? That God's grace comes into our hearts. And I just love seeing lives getting changed. This morning I had the joy of leading a, a man in his 70s to Jesus. I was just so touched, just watching his life. I don't think he's been to church for decades. Someone brought him along. It doesn't even regularly come to our church, just occasionally. And I thought, Lord, you are so precious. And then watching younger people come to Christ. And one of the doctor's sons responded to Jesus last week. Just a lovely young man, Toby. And I talked to his dad today and he says, have you done that before? Oh, not really, not publicly like that. That was so powerful in his life. I don't know how old Toby is, probably 10 or 11 or something, I'm not sure. And I thought, Lord, you're drawing people. Those people are stepping into a new season of freedom over their lives. And sometimes when we've known Jesus for a, a few years or decades, we can get a little bit comfortable or complacent. But God says, hey, come on, let's grow, let's stretch in him. In the, the fourth one is, there is a season of sowing, then reaping. Everyone who calls the name in Romans 10, 13 says, everyone who calls the name of the Lord will be saved. The word saved is sozo, which means wholeness, not just your sins forgiven, but you start on a journey of transformation over your heart and your life. And that doesn't finish until we get to heaven. So no matter what age you are, we're still on the journey of transformation. We are Christians under construction. We're getting made whole. No one's achieved the whole goal yet, but boy, it's fun on the journey. And God uses one another to rub the rough, rough patches off so that you can become more whole. We'd say, Holy Spirit, you do it. But he says, I will, but I'll do it through your friend. I'll do it through your husband or wife. I'll do it through your, your brother or sister. I'm going, oh God, that's hard work. He knows how to get through and we grow and mature. So we see that happening. It says, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in and how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Look at some of these amazing feet in this place. God says they're beautiful. Wow. Some of you got socks and shoes on you can't see them. Other people have got open shoes. Yeah, God says you've got beautiful feet. I hope they're clean and not smelly feet. But God says we've got beautiful feet. Why? Because someone went and bought the gospel to someone else. And I thank God that my parents sowed the gospel in my heart. And now they're both in heaven. And someone has bought the gospel to you. Maybe you're raised in a Christian family or you weren't. Someone has reached out and brought love and hope to your life. And how about you being an answer to someone else's prayer? Because right now there are people in this city saying, God, send someone to help me. Send someone to help me. Send someone to give me some answers for my troubled, confused, tormented life. Wouldn't it be awesome if tomorrow... You're driving down the street or you're on your morning walk and you feel the Holy Spirit say, hey, really pray for the people in that house. And then a week later you meet them 
And you might be the one that starts to sow hope for their life. How awesome is that? You are an answer to someone else's cry. And let me tell you, they'll say, thank you for your beautiful feet that crossed my path. Or someone at work that's just troubled. And God might use you to be the carrier of that into their heart and their life. And what a privilege that is to, uh, to do that. And then the, the, uh, the last scripture I finished on this morning is 1 Corinthians 15, 58. So now, beloved ones, stand firm and secure. Live your lives with an unshakable confidence. And I heard Matt taught an amazing sermon last Sunday night on confidence. And I know lots of people were blessed. Thanks, Matt, for stepping up. We were up in Toowoomba preaching up there and had an amazing time. And Matt and the team here were stirred up here. I think that's awesome that... Uh, God's at work. And it goes on and says, We know that we prosper and excel in every season by serving the Lord because we are assured that our union with the Lord makes our labour productive with fruit that endures. And the last point that I mentioned this morning, we're just going to spend a few minutes to wrap this up tonight. Number five, love people through every season in our lives and theirs. Love is the bridge that makes it safe for you to keep walking. When you're being stretched, you need someone to love and encourage you. As Peter shared tonight, don't live in place of discouragement. It happens. But God wants to encourage you. And love is the bridge. It says, speak the truth in love. And love's like a bridge that you can carry the heavy weight of whatever message needs to come. Have, hey, come on. You, you're, not, you're made for better than this. And if you love them, they'll receive it. Or even you've got a challenge, say, hey, why are you running after what your mates or friends or someone on Facebook's telling you? You're made for better stuff than this. And you can carry even that challenge to their life because they know you love them. And love's the bridge. It's the, it's the pathway that God can reach people's lives through you. And that's how he reaches us. When we feel loved, we can receive even a stern challenge from God. Saying, come on, don't let your mind run after that stuff. Don't try and find other ways that you know are going to damage you or harm you or the people around you when you're overwhelmed and under pressure. Don't go back to the old ways of coping with pressure. There's a better way. And so God can even sometimes really challenge and even rebuke us. But we, because we know he loves us, we'll receive it. And that's the power. So as we're going through seasons and people around us, we need to know the power of it. Let's look at Romans 12, 9 to 21. I just want to unpack this for a few minutes tonight. In my Bible, it's, the title is Transformed Relationships. For those that have read Romans, Romans chapter 1 through to chapter 11, he does some, does some amazing teaching on righteousness, forgiveness, what it means to be a son or daughter of God, how to live a spirit-filled life. He does some teaching on the Jews that had started the journey and then lost focus and couldn't see where Jesus fitted in he does all this amazing teaching on that God's greater and nothing can separate us from God's love there's no condemnation of those in Christ Jesus the whole first 11 chapters he goes then chapter 12 he starts to teach for the next four chapters how to live this out in your relationships in your family in your workplace in your heart and your soul he says don't be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your minds how do you live out all this great teaching that he's done in the first 11 chapters and Romans is a great book. If you've never studied it, if you're a newer Christian or a young person growing in God, Romans is a great book to go chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Get some commentaries, study it, because you will, it will help put a whole lot of things in place in your soul. So he gets to chapter 12 and he gets to verse 9 and he says, hey, transformed love is the way you're going to live this out. He says, let the inner movement 
<coughs> verse 9, of your heart always be to love one another and never play the role of an actor wearing a mask. Wow. Don't, don't be a hypocrite. Don't be an actor. Don't try and impress people. Don't just put up the, all the good posts on Facebook. Don't just present something that's not the whole story. It says, let the inner movement of your heart always be to love one another and never play the role of an actor wearing a mask. Despise evil and embrace everything that is good and virtuous. doesn't say to attack people who are doing the wrong thing, but it says despise evil. There's a big difference. You don't have to judge people. You can speak the truth and the light will expose that which is inferior. I worked at a bank for years and, and they'd teach us how to recognise a counterfeit note. And occasionally they'd show us a counterfeit one that wasn't um, done properly and the, the face was distorted or the wording was a bit blurred. But most of the time they would just show you the genuine because if you knew the genuine, anything that wasn't genuine you knew was a counterfeit. And so the best thing is for God to fill you with love and the way you treat one another is the genuine and anything that's not that, you know that it's less than, it's judgmental, it's, it's judging or shaming or comparing and being jealous and envious and all those other things. You know that's not the genuine because we've seen and felt the genuine, which is true love. And that's what he's explaining here. He goes on in verse 10, Be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. So Jesus sees the church as a family. Look at some of your cousins. Look at some of your brothers and sisters and spiritual mums and dads and uncles and grandparents. God puts us all together because we're a family. And Marilyn and I, we love the picture of family because I think that's one of God's amazing ways that he brings us together. And some of us have come from disjointed, broken families, lonely families, or maybe Ones that you felt that you were the black sheep and didn't fit in. But God brings you into a family where you can be loved and restored. And it goes on and says, try to outdo yourselves in respect and honour of one another. So it's okay to be competitive if you're trying to outdo each other in love and honour and respect. Most other times it can be destructive if you're too competitive with one another. Comparing my life's better than yours. No, but it says to try to outdo yourselves in respect and honour of one another. True honour is a a culture in our nation that's not as good as it should be. We're good at put, tearing someone down who's doing better than us. Someone's growing faster in God, so we just want to say, oh, well, I know a few things about them, you know, and that's where gossip and slander starts, and it tears people down. Hey, the Bible says don't do that. That's not how we're meant to live. We are here to, to honour, to respect, to value, and the Bible says in Proverbs, love covers a multitude of sins or weaknesses. Does it mean you never address those things? Yes, you do. But in the right place, at the right time, if you're the right person to be doing it, otherwise your love covers so that grace can help them get restored. Earlier in Romans it says, the goodness and kindness of God leads me to repentance. You know, we all know we've done wrong and sometimes it needs to be focused and addressed. We're not avoiding sin and the consequences. But boy, love and grace... How did Peter get restored? As the message that Emmanuel said, the fish were overflowing and he was so touched. Another time when God was restoring him after he'd betrayed Jesus, three weeks after the beachside fire chat, 
Well, I wish we knew what really went on there, hey? We only get the summaries. I reckon when we get to heaven, we're going to see the full video of all what happened. I can't wait to see Noah and the ark and how that all happened. You know, I just can't wait to see Moses with the Ten Commandments. And, mate, we're going to have a lot of time to see the whole video. That's going to be amazing. But it's, it was when, when the fish came jumping in, Peter realized it was Jesus and he jumped out of the boat and ran ashore and fell on his knees and said, Jesus, I'm not worthy. Jesus said, do you love me? Yes, I do. Do you love me? Three times and restored him. It was God's love that brought him back. Not a challenge. Get your life sorted out. There are times when God knows how to reach our hearts. It goes on and says, verse 11, Be enthusiastic to serve the Lord, keeping your passion toward him boiling hot. Wow. So much can happen in life and we can lose our passion. We just sort of lose the edge. We used to function at 100%. Now we go at 95% because we've been discouraged a bit and we're a bit tired and we're a bit weary. So we go through the motions and that song challenges tonight. I'm sorry when I just go through the motions. When you're singing a song, mate, I've learned a long time ago, if you're going to sing it, sing it with all your heart. Even if you don't feel like it, because God hasn't changed. And I know if I sing with all my heart, things shift in my perspective. When I was a kid, I used to read the psalm says, magnify the Lord with me. I'm thinking, God, you fill the heavens and the earth. How can I make you any bigger? And then I realized I can't make him bigger. But when I worship him and praise him, he becomes bigger in my understanding and he becomes bigger than my problems. So you're magnifying him because he becomes so huge. You've got a magnifying glass. You bring it right up and that's all you can see is what's in that. And God says when you praise him and worship him and when you love one another, you magnify his presence and restoring grace and power. But if you start focusing on the weaknesses and the pain and the negative stuff, mate, it just drains your energy real fast. We love hanging out with people that are positive and encouraging, hey? And then when someone comes in the room think, oh, no, oh, they're so negative. I, don't, I can't handle another negative conversation today. We're smarter. We don't say that, but you feel it, hey? I pray that you're not the one who walks in the room. They say, oh, no, they're here again. I pray... Wow, so-and-so's here today. This is awesome. We're going to have a great time together. Because they know you're going to be an encourager or you're going to love them regardless of what's happening. And that's what Paul's trying to teach us in Romans chapter 12. It goes on and it says, Radiate with the glow of the Holy Spirit and let him fill you with excitement as you serve him. Wow, we should be so excited. The privilege of serving Jesus. I just love our worship team because they do it with all their heart. I love our kids team and our youth teams and, and our frontline teams and our people in support and leadership. I just love it because they do it with all their heart. And God says, wow, let it, let it be radiating with the glow of the Holy Spirit. And you say, well, I'm not feeling that spiritual today. I've learned if you pray in the Holy Spirit, if you start to praise and worship... You get a word or two from God in your heart and, mate, there's something driving you. It's like rocket fuel in your soul. I can be a bit discouraged or tired, but five minutes praying in the Holy Spirit and my something just, it's like I get plugged in and then I'm away. Something's shifted just because I pray. And it's one of my ways I quickly get plugged in. Praise and worship. So when we come in to sing and praise and worship, or when I'm at home and the music's on, my spirit just activates quickly. 
because I thought, wow, Lord, if that's who you really are, why should I settle for less? And so we, don't, we can't let our feelings or other people's opinions control us. We've got to learn to respond. Then it says, let this hope burst forth within you, releasing a continual joy. Wow. Hope. Hope is so, so important. We've got to have hope. Now abides faith, hope and love and hope's in the middle. Because if you don't have hope, Romans, Hebrews 12, 1, 11, 1 says you can't have faith. Because faith is the substance of things hopeful. So the devil will try and steal your hope and then you've got, faith's got nothing to base on. And if you don't have love, then you don't have a pathway for faith and hope to reach its destination. That's why they work together. And the Holy Spirit says, let hope burst forth within you. If you've got nothing else you can do this week, just carry hope wherever you go. Just carry hope. It's amazing. People just respond. They feel it when you carry it. Say, well, I'm not a really upbeat, optimistic person. Hey, no matter what your personality, you can carry hope because that's who Jesus is. He's the hope of the world. So if he's on the inside, guess what? He's going to come out sooner or later. It's going to happen. And so you can choose to let that flow. Then it goes on and says, releasing a continual joy. Don't give up in time of trouble, but commune with God at all times. Last Sunday morning, we talked about dining with Jesus and letting, making space. If you weren't here, I encourage you to have a look at that message because it really will touch your heart. It goes on to take a constant interest in the needs of God's beloved people and respond by helping them and eagerly welcome people as guests into your home. One of the versions says, invite them in because they might be an angel. And you never know. You never know when they're an angel or whether they are a human being sent as a messenger of hope for your world. And once again, how beautiful it is if you might be the answer to someone else's prayer. And I shared a little while ago when we were on holidays in Melbourne, I woke up one morning and it was a Sunday and I just felt to drive across the other end of Melbourne to a church that we knew of and knew the pastors a bit and it was right across town, it was a long way. We could have gone to 25 or 30 churches closer but we just wanted to go there. We got lost. I wanted to go. Mary Lynn said, let's go somewhere low. But I just felt stirred him up. The GPS got us lost. And it's not fun to get lost in Melbourne when I don't know Melbourne. Anyway, we finally found it about 20 minutes late. They were just finishing their worship. I thought, oh, I missed out on that. We walked in and I see a guy sit down on the other side of the aisle that I knew from Queensland. And I didn't know he was in Melbourne, didn't know he was going to that church. And after service... He was one of the uh, greeters at the welcome area, so he was greeting new people and getting their names. And then we popped over and said hello, and I hadn't seen him for at least 10 years. And we started chatting. I said, how you doing? He says, oh, not real well. And he knew me well enough from years back to start sharing his story, and his wife had left him, and he was facing divorce, and trying to raise their adult, teenage kids in all of that. Two beautiful kids that were still serving the church, but they were confused about how to... Because his wife had been full-on serving in church and then she walked away from God and from him and he was just trying to get his head around it and Marilyn just started talking with him and sharing he's just crying as the presence of God flowed he'd been ministering to others and now it's his turn and then I prayed for him and the presence of prophetic word of God came through my heart and at the end of it he said through tears he said this has been so amazing he said do you know what I got up this morning 
And I said, Lord, it would be really good if you sent someone to me today with a prophetic word for my life. And then we started crying. (laughs) And I thought, well, thank you that I was at least crazy enough to hear your stirring, not knowing anything about him being there. And we went, and it was one of the highlights of our holiday. Because, Lord, we were carriers of hope to his life. And I thought, God, you're so precious. And so love is the bridge. Let's wrap this up. And it goes on and says, um, Eager welcome guests to your home. Speak blessing, not cursing over those who reject and persecute you. Wow. When people say stuff about you on Facebook, are you going to judge them and react or are you going to speak blessing? When people at work get stuck into us because we're a Christian or because they don't understand, even another Christian says, oh, and the Bible goes on and says, don't debate about what food or drink to eat and have and days and feasts and all that. He says, don't get caught on that because the kingdom of God is not about meat and drink, but it's about righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And we've got to be careful as Christians that we don't end up judging and getting stuck on the minors that are not the majors. Love one another, stick to the majors and God has a way of sorting out the other stuff in His good time. And it goes on and says, Celebrate with those who celebrate and weep with those who grieve. Live happily together in a spirit of harmony and, a, and be as mindful of another's worth, worth as you are your own. Don't live with a lofty mindset thinking you are too important to serve others, but be willing to do menial tasks and identify with those who are humble-minded. Humble Don't be smug or even think for a moment that you know it all. Don't you hate a know-it-all? Oh, they, no matter what you say, they've got 15 answers that explain the whole thing. Oh, just give us a break. <laughs> you know? Let's hear each other's hearts. Share what we do know so we can be a blessing, but not to try and prove that we're better. That's the difference. Then it goes on and says, Never hold a grudge or try to get even, but plan your life around the noblest way to benefit others. That's love in action, isn't it? Not just what you need, but how can I help and love others? How can I demonstrate that? Then it goes on and says, Do your best to live as everybody's friend. Wow, that's how you love one another. Beloved, don't be obsessed with taking revenge, but leave that to God's righteous justice. For the scriptures say, if you don't take justice in your own hands, I will release justice for you, says the Lord. Wow, God's very good at sorting out other people's hearts. He will do it with a mixture of kindness and grace and truth and sometimes consequences. If we do it, we often get the balance mixed up. But if we leave it in God's hands and pray and bless them, God has a way of sorting it out. And then it comes in, if your enemy's hungry, buy him lunch. Win him over with kindness. For your surprising generosity will awaken his conscience and God will reward you with favour. Wow, so their conscience will be awakened and you'll get favour from God because you've done it in love. Not out of reaction, offence or revenge. Never let evil defeat you, but defeat evil with good. They were, And I believe that's the way to wrap it up. Never... Let evil defeat you, but defeat evil with good. Jesus said, they will know you are followers of Jesus by how you love one another. Worship team, come on up.
So in your season, whatever season you're in, let love be in the middle of it. Even if you're feeling neglected, alone, not sure where you fit. In a church our size, there's always some people saying, I'm not quite sure where I fit. Or my season's just so crazy and confusing or overwhelming. Even in the midst of pain, we've learned just keep reaching out to love someone else and God will sometimes then send others to help minister to you. Because as you let the river flow through you, you'll get joy and fulfillment of seeing their lives touched and then God will often just surround you with what you need. Thank you for joining us. Bayside Christian Church Community aims to transform our city and beyond with the life and power of Jesus Christ. If you want to know more or just keep in touch, Check us out at www.baysidechristianchurch.com.au or on our social media pages at Bayside Christian Church.